<laughs> there, happy Abby, I got it. I am happy, thank you. I was like, you can't just be like, bye, and that's not how, no. That's off. <laughs> like, bye, let me tell you. <laughs> Hey guys, here's what's coming up. This week is a spoiler-free episode about Angels of the Resistance by Noel Salazar with Noel Salazar. The book officially releases tomorrow, November 29th, so be sure to grab your copy and support an author we love. And remember, we are taking December off, so there will be no new episodes next month. But we will be back January 2nd to talk about how we did with our 2022 TBRs, so tune in in the new year and place your bets about which one of us did better on our TBRs. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. We have all sorts of cool perks available. You can find a complete list at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, the Pirate Queen, Sam, Megan, and Leah. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are talking about a brand new book that has dropped pretty much today. Um, it is Angels of the Resistance by Noelle Zalazar. And guys, guess what? We have a special guest. Abby, who is our special guest today? We have the author herself, Noelle Salazar, with us. How are you doing, Noelle? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, we have been big fans since reading The Flight Girls. I believe my book club is the one who got me to read it initially. I'm not sure how it got picked out, but it was a World War II novel. And we're like, great, this sounds awesome. And then we read it. I'm like, Abby, read this book. It's amazing. (laughs) And then Abby and I, of course, gushed about it. We got our friend Sarah Dugan to read it with us, who's a captain in the Air Force. And I love how she validated everything in flight girls, especially about flying itself, um, talking about the WASP program and everything with it. And like, from there, you, I mean, you got two fangirls right here, ready to talk about the new book. Well, can I say something about that? The guest you had on, um, that episode, I found you by complete accident. I was just like, this is lame Googling myself. Um, but, but you know, my book had just come out and I was just checking to see what was out there. And then I, I saw this and I saw that she, you know, you had this guest on who had been in the air force or was in the air force. And, um, I was like, Oh no, this is, this is not, this is not going to be good. And I just remember her saying something about, um, like she couldn't believe I wasn't a pilot or that I hadn't flown myself or something because the details were right on. And I, it was the best thing that could have happened to me that day. I was so <laughs> happy. So then I was a little bit obsessed with that episode and telling everybody to, <laughs> to listen. Yeah. I, I mean, I simply remember in that book about the flyby over Hawaii and I won't say everything that went down in that flyby, but the way Sarah was just like, oh my gosh, like guys, like this was so well-written. And plus she's an instructor down in Arizona and she teaches about the WASP program to her students as well. So amazing. Oh, that's so cool. I'm so glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. I yeah. believe the flight girls is actually one of the books that she recommends. Oh, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I hope you get some good sales down in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. 
Um, and just so you guys know, so this episode, we're going to do our very best to be spoiler free because we want you to go out and buy this book and read it for yourselves because we've already had a chance to read it. Thank you so much for the advanced copies. Um, oh, yeah, I can't wait to talk more a little bit what I think about it. Abby, can you give us a summary of the book? Gladly. As bombs fall across Europe, 14-year-old Leanne Vink fears that the reality of war is inescapable. Though she lives a quiet life with her mother and older sister, Elif, in their small town in Harlem, they're no strangers to heartache, having recently suffered an immeasurable loss. And when the Nazis invade the Netherlands, joining the Dutch resistance with Elif offers just the atonement Leanne craves. Trained to shoot by their late father, the sisters are deadly wolves in sheep's clothing. They soon find themselves entrenched in the underground movement, forging friendships with other young recruits, and Leanne even discovers a kindred spirit in a boy named Charlie. But in wartime, emotional attachments are a liability she can't afford, especially when a deeply personal mission jeopardizes everything she holds dear, her friendships, her family, and her one shot at redemption. Ooh, I love it. Fun. <laughs> All right. So that's the summary of the book. Of course, another book set in World War II and set in a region that I have never read about before. So typically almost every World War II book I have read has been, you know, set with someone with Jewish heritage um, and hiding or is going to be... Well, I did read one book about the Middle Eastern, like Lawrence of Arabia, but that may have been World War One. actually. I can't remember which war that was. But I love that this is a different story. And that's one thing that like really drew me to it initially when I read, like, I don't remember Noel when you put out the summary and I was like, oh, nope, I love it. Because I actually kind of, don't judge me, but I swore off reading World War II novels for uh, a while because <laughs> I burnt myself out. I mean, so much. There's a lot. I mean, the, it's inundated. So yeah, no, I don't blame you. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But yeah, and I agree. Like a lot of the World War II novels that I have read, have centered on um, Jewish people because, you know, it's very obviously a very Jewish centric part of our history, but in like either the Jews or something happening in America is really the ones that I've read personally. And so having them in the Netherlands of all places was just kind of like, really? (laughs) And honestly, when I first read the summary, I read Harlem and my first thought was Harlem, New York. (laughs) Right. And I was like, huh, okay. I didn't know there was really anything special going on in um, New York at the time. Uh, That's hilarious. But yeah, so we're going to start off with some questions for you, Noel. just a little bit. We're going to start easy for we start kind of deep diving further into about the book. Um, we always got to ask, because I got to ask Abby all the time too, I'm going to ask you first, what books or book, I said books because I read plural at, a, at once, but book. Right are you reading right now? Um, yeah, so I am currently reading a couple books. I too like to read more than one. I kind of have them like situated in different areas. <laughs> like there's one on my bedside table and then a lot of times there's one by the bathtub and I have one in my car. Um, but right now I've been focusing on, well, I started them right before I got COVID. So about a month ago, and then I haven't been able to read since then because I was basically just staring at walls. Um, but I am super into both of them. So I can't wait to get back really into them. So I'm reading Mike Chen's um, Vampire Weekend, which is kind of this quirky punk rock, like almost cozy vampire story. 
Oh, I love a cozy book. Yeah, it's it's just different. And he writes these stories that are like sci-fi, sci-fi or fantasy based, but they're always like cozy. Like they're so relatable. And um, so I just, I love them for that. So, and I love vampires. So I was like, okay, I'm totally reading this book. Um, and then the other book I'm, re- I'm reading um, is actually on audio. I'm listening to um, Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died. Oh, I've heard so much good things. I had a friend who read it. And yeah, like, yeah. We are um, like huge iCarly France, me and this friend. And I told her about it and she's like, oh, that's Sam. Oh, I don't know about the title. And then she listened and she's like, oh my God, guys, everyone should listen to this book. This was mind blowing. Yeah, I'm barely into it. But then I was just, um, she was on the Armchair Expert podcast. And so then they, of course, we're talking about it. And so um, since I haven't been able to get back to the book yet, just kind of getting that kind of inside behind the scenes, um, just her process, like, I guess she'd started writing it years ago. And so, and she was doing, I didn't realize like she did a one woman show um, before she even wrote the book, she was doing like a kind of a stand-up show on this. And so, um, I mean, that was right before lockdown. So she like did it for two months and then we locked down. And then she, I think she started like working on the book after that. Um, anyways, it's, yeah, so far it's just incredible to hear what she went through. Um, just absolutely amazing that she came out the other side. Okay. Well, it also gives you insight too on these kids that we have acting and how much pressure Hollywood puts on them. And then having, you would always hope a parent would have their child's best interests at heart. Right. Uh, but then once money gets involved, suddenly I, I have a theory. I'm sure that money makes people stupid, um, yeah. you know, and it even like clouds your judgment with your children or your family or even business partners, you know, like the more, I don't know, it's keep, I can keep going on the whole topic, but yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, and her mom seemed like she was pretty mentally unstable. I mean, the whole, if you like the, I would, I would totally recommend listening to the podcast too, because I feel like you, maybe there's something in there that isn't in the book. Um, I'm not sure since I haven't listened to the entire book, but um, it was just, it was really interesting listening to her just talk kind of behind the scenes about it. And then, and I'm excited to go back to actually listening to the book and really delve into what actually, you know, what she went through the whole story of it. So I didn't realize it started so young for her and just, you know, she was talking about like, her mom started her calorie counting at age 11 and that's just mind blowing. Like that has got to completely mess with your brain. Oh yeah. I mean like even like my mom was on my case by the time I was 13 about what I weighed and I'm just like, "Mm." yeah, Mm, you know, and I, again, I'm pretty sure like we're all close to the same generation. Our parents are probably the same age. It's just, that generation behind us who grew us up, everything was so weight conscious. And, you know, and I, I like the shift that we're having in body positivity where just be healthy. You know, you may be bigger, but don't starve yourself to be a skinny kid because it's not healthy just to be skinny. So you mentioned that you have several, you have a, you're listening to an audiobook, but you also have books on your bedside table. If you had to choose between the three main formats we have today, which is a physical book, an ebook, or an audiobook, and you can only pick one format to ever listen to or read again, which format would you have to pick? Easy physical book. <laughs> I can only listen to audiobooks if it's nonfiction. <clears throat> if it's fiction, I don't know what happens, but. I 
I cannot concentrate on the story. It completely throws me out of it. There was one book I was so excited to read and I decided I had all these audible credits. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to get it on audible. And I like turned it on. And then I was like driving down the road and like, oh, it had been playing for like five minutes. And I was just like in my head somewhere else. I backed it up, started it again. Like five minutes later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to keep backing it up to the very beginning. And finally, I just gave up and bought the physical book because I was like, I just, I can't do it. So only non books if it's audio. I'm horrible at reading on a screen. I just, I cannot do it. It, it feels like work for some reason. Like I'm supposed to be editing or something. And I just, because mm-hmm. you know, that's how I work yeah. on screen. So for me, it's very much like, this just feels like I'm supposed to be looking for boo-boos <laughs> like, get, like get into it I need to like turn a page and I like to dog ear I mean I'm don't send me bookmarks ever I just it's pointless um, you're like don't send I like, my, <laughs> I like my books all worn I like them to look like I have loved on them so much so I have a book that we read with all of like this is one of our culture books for work and I have post-its in it I have notes all over it it is just and some people are like oh I got the audiobook and I'm like oh god guys the audiobook is awful they're like <laughs> I'm like really I'm because we listen we've listened to the audiobook before and I'm like I would rather like just pass out than have to listen to no offense to the author he's the one who read it but oh he is not meant to read <laughs> yeah I like to um you know I'll highlight a passage or I will just for because a lot of times I'll reread a book years later so I will dog ear the bottom of the page so I know that that's where there was something on that page that like a phrase or a sentence that I absolutely loved so it won't distract me like from where I am but it'll just remind me that there was something on that page that I should go back and and find I love yeah, for that. me like audiobooks and physical books are the two that I really do like ebooks I just can't concentrate on but there's some books like I'll start as an audiobook and I'm like no, I have to have the physical book. Like literally I just need to like, feel like I'm grounded in that story for some yep. reason. Yeah. And there's others. I'm like, no, I just have to listen to this or I'm never going to get through it. Like, <laughs> So I listen to you. And so I, I, I guess I kind of lied. I listened to a book um, on audio during lockdown, but I was going on walks all the time. So it was just kind of different because I wasn't in my car having to pay attention to traffic. So um, that was Midnight Libraries by, or the Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Mm-hmm. I finished it. I was like, I need this, this, the physical book. I need to have this book like on my shelf. I need to hold this book. And then I ended up reading it just because I just like needed to see those words. I just thought it was such a special, special book that I just, I had to have it in my hands. Mm-hmm. And I remember, so what was that? Was that early 2020 when that book exploded? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember when that book was like so hard to get, I, I read that one as an ebook. See, I'm, <laughs> I'm the person that's like, what format do you like? I'm like, well, uh, I'm like, I like them all actually pretty equally. Like my favorite I love pocket. I miss pocket paperbacks. Um, like literally one, you can, <laughs> there's, yeah. I am, I'm reading um, a wizard, a, a wizard of Ursie. Is that right? Or I, I don't know. A wizard. Ursa. Ursa, um, the 
gallon maybe no it's, i don't know close enough but it's like it's so small and petite and it fits perfectly it's not it's light so it can go in your purse it literally fits in my back pocket which i mean come on i'm wearing women's jeans not a lot fits in a pocket in women's pants so it was pretty <laughs> awesome but i i don't know if i like the new trend of i'm not super into hardbacks which i know is abby's favorite because you they're That's also not. i thought hardbacks were your favorite because they double as a weapon <laughs> i mean they're great don't get me wrong they're like my second favorite oh. my absolute favorite is the floppy paperbacks like oh. like this this right here is a floppy paperback like you can leave it open and just read it on the table yeah. this way yeah. That's a perfect book. Now, see, that's like one of my least favorite formats because that's what everyone's going to now in paperback form. I miss, I miss, po I miss pocket paperbacks, honestly. And I don't know, like I love, I was, I, I just like rebought all of Simon R. Green's Nice Side series, and mm -hmm. I swear, like the early, I guess I'm just stuck in the early 2000s. My favorite music from the early 2000s, my favorite book formats from the early 2000s, my favorite style of clothing is. I'm just stuck. I'm that's it. I'm never going out of high school again. <laughs> I can't believe you like the pocket paperbacks better though. Well, it's my favorite. Like, okay. I love, I love them all. I love eBooks because I have a whole library on my phone or my tablet and I can just swap between them. I love audiobooks. Really loving daughter um, of the moon goddess, by the way. Amazing. I'm like 25% of the way through. Oh, so good. Um, but I also, I just love my physical. I love them all. They're all magical. Books are just magic. I like the small books. Um, there's a series that I read. It's been years now, but the first book in the series, well, and like the first five or six books were those small pocketbooks. And then they started making them in hardcover. And I was like, and, and the covers weren't as cute and kitschy as the first ones were. Like the first mm -hmm. ones were kind of like cartoonish and just like super cute. And they were funny because they're vampire books, but they're funny. So they're all in like pastels and they look like, I mean, they're kind of rom-coms, but like not. Um, they're just these hilarious books. And the first book in the series is called Undead and Unwed. And I have bought that book repeatedly because I will loan it out to people and they will not give it back to me. Like it just, oh, they don't know where it went. And I'm like, so I bought that book like three or four times. I'm like, well, I have to own it because I, I will reread it. Cause there's just the, she, she's so irritated that she wakes up a vampire or well, she wakes up in a coffin and she's not dead. She's just like pissed. And then she goes about trying to remedy that. And it's just ridiculous fun. I love it so much. And at one point, like through the series, she finds out like her half sister is the daughter of Satan. And it's just stupid awesomeness. I It's by Mary Janice Davidson, I think. Come on, my good reads, putting it in my little list to read. I'm like, great. I'm like, it sounds like a cozy fan. Like, it is. It's so funny. And she's just, I love how she's just so self-absorbed in, in this ridiculous way. And there's just like this cast of characters. That's It's so great. And it's- I love that. And at some points, but it's mostly just about you know, I don't even really remember now, but now I want to just go read it. <laughs> I really do love how people are moving into, they want cozy fantasies or cozy things to read, you know, yeah. which I kind of feel like is a bit of a definition of chick lit, um, which is perfect. I love how you mentioned this book because it leads perfectly into my next question is what are some books um, do you always recommend or buy for people for gifts? 
That is one, like I said, I have recommended several times where I'm just like, if you want something fun and ridiculous and you just want to laugh and something that's super easy to read, like read this book. It's, it's so funny. And then if you're into it, there are more, but that first one just slays me. Um, what else? I don't really have like kind of go-to books. I know like there's so many people, they always recommend like a couple certain books, but for me, it's more like I'll read a book and as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, my brother would love this book or, you know, my very best friend would love this book or my aunt will love this book. And so I'll either recommend it or that's their Christmas gift that year. Um, this last couple of years, like since I've been in lockdown, I made this group of friends randomly. They like and welcome me in with open arms and they're all sci-fi fantasy writers and so I had never really read I had never read sci-fi fantasy and I'm like okay hi I'm just like I felt like very pastel in in this group (laughs) they're all talking and I'm just like "I, I don't know what you're talking about um but they were so welcoming and you know we talked a lot about just like the writing process so it wasn't just like they're talking about things I don't understand um so a couple of them, you know, I read, I got to read early editions of a couple of their books. And so um, I've recommended, I want to say like three books by them to my brother because he loves sci-fi fantasy. He's a big Stephen King reader. So like uh, my friend Dan Hanks wrote Captain Moxley and the Embers of the Empire. And it's like kick-ass female pilot post-World War II in a captain or in a, like an Indiana Jones style adventure. And that's like, like that's calling to my 80s heart. <laughs> like I was, I, I loved it so much. So it's action adventure. So I recommended that my friend, um, Chris Panettiere wrote stringers, which is this like alien abduct, like two best friends are abducted. And it does the most ridiculous. You will laugh on every single page. You will learn bug facts. You didn't know you wanted to know. I was like Googling bug facts. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't even believe they were true and they were all true. And it was just, it's absolutely hilarious. And then, um, Another one was Mercury Rising by my friend Rob Green, which is just kind of like Star Wars, but almost like cooler. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it takes place like there's spaceships and and I don't even know, but it was just so fun. So, I mean, I've totally gotten into the genres, but then like as far as like one of my favorite books to read and it's very particular who I kind of recommended to you. I love The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern. Oh, um, that's a good series. Yeah, I have not read that one yet. So is, is it one I should read? Is that what I keep hearing? Oh, it's so interesting. So my my old editor, she was like, I could I didn't like that book. And I was like, <gasps> but I read so I, I usually read really fast, which I, the pandemic kind of messed me up because I just I couldn't really read at all during lockdown. Um and when I finally did, it had to be like rom-coms. I needed like happy endings and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the night circus though, I took about, about two months to read, which is crazy for me. I do not take that long to read books, but there was something about it. Like her attention to detail, the book is so romantic and like not a romantic, it's not really, there is a romance, but it's, it's, it's romantic in the way she tells this story. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I got to meet her and I was like, I used to want to write, I told her, I said, I used to want to write stories about magic. And then I read this book and I decided I don't, I just want to read what you write about magic <laughs> because it's so beautiful. And I just wanted to sit like within every chapter felt like its own very particular story. And then this whole overarching thing that's happening throughout it. I thought the ending was absolutely perfect. 
Um, I buddy read it with a friend about a year ago, just so we could discuss as we went. Cause I just was like, <laughs> I just want to, I want someone else to feel this. So that that's just one of my absolute favorite books. And, but again, like, I feel like it, it's almost complicated in ways. So I think that's why some people don't take to it, but I just, I think it's absolutely, I don't know how she wrote it. I think it's so magical. I love it. I like how you like, I just want someone to read it with you to experience the magic versus me and Abby are like, this book ripped out my soul and my heart. You need to read it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like that too. Me and my friend read uh, Firefly Lane by Kristen Hanna. And it's been for years and years and years. And I've had so many friends talk about this book, but we read it because we were, we wanted to write a friend book together. And we had this very specific idea of what we wanted, but then we were kind of afraid like, oh no, there's this book that's like really like people love. And what if it's too much like that? So we decided we would read it just to make sure we didn't like write that book or something. And, um, which is like, I mean, the first book I ever wrote was had vampires in it. And I stopped watching or reading anything vampire related just because I was like, I don't want to take anything from anybody. Mm-hmm. But then like halfway through, I was like, wait, I want to just see what other people are doing just to kind of spark maybe something else or a different path for myself. Anyways, we read that book and we were like sobbing <laughs> the whole thing. It was, ugh, it's like, wow, I, I must be heartless. Cause I did not love that book. Like I read it and I really hate <laughs> one chick, not the mom. Oh, no, I no, I know what you're saying. There are so many times where I was like super irritated with the one character. Like I, there are a couple times where I was like, I don't even know if I want to read this anymore. This is like, right. Me so mad and irritated and she's irritating. <laughs> I was just like angry. But then my friend was like a couple <clears> times <throat> ahead of me. She's like, no, you gotta keep going. And then I get to some super emotional part. And so there, by the end I was sobbing, but like there was so much in the middle where I was so, and the book is big. And I was just like, come on. And I refused to watch, like they did a series, like, yeah, there's a theory. I know they change some stuff and some stuff they change. I've heard. And I was like, and I'm, I'm like, one, I did not love, like, I have like this huge twin mom friend group and I have a really um, close niche group and they all love it and they all watch the show. And I'm like, I hate that book. And like, they're like, they're like, well, you're such a Grinch. And I'm like, yeah, you know why? Because that friendship was toxic. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, exactly. Promoting that friendship. And then, yeah, I know the end, uh, stupid end redemption crap. How dare it redeem itself? Yeah, they got me in the end, but I refused to watch the show. I had heard about the change, like a couple changes they made. And I was so angry that I was just like, why, why? Just, it's just for drama. It's just for, it's just for drama. And I just, it made me mad. So um, I know it makes me, and it, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate when they change something. It happened in, um, was a big little lies to Reese Witherspoon's character. Did you read the book? No. Um, is that a, a Celeste? Um, mm. lies? I can't remember. Like, you know how to pronounce her last name. Like, um, it's an energy. Yeah. Like, oh. I don't, I don't think it's her. Okay. She did the little fires everywhere. I yeah, think. Yeah. That's the name. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't <laughs> read that one. No, big little lies. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't really taken with the book, but it was, um, interesting enough. I liked the story, but I didn't like, they kept doing these um, interviews with the cops and that would kind of pull me out of the story. And I was like, yeah, yeah, give, get back to the ladies. I want to know what happened. Um, so then in the series, they made her character 
different in not a good way. And it's the same kind of thing exactly in what they did in Firefly Lane. Like it was just for drama, I think. And I was like, why is this necessary? Like she was such a good character. Like she didn't need that. So anyways, I just, I hate, I don't know. It's so hard when they take a book and then they do this thing. I got concerns about... So A Man Called Ove, Ove is one of my favorite books I've ever read. And they're putting out the Americanized version, A Man Called Otto. And I, Abby, don't, don't make that face. I know what you're thinking. I, I am struggle busing with the ways, because I listened to um, Frederick Bachman when he talked about the book and how they Americanized it, and they got his blessing on the things they changed. But I love that book because it's so unique to see this glimpse inside. Ooh, which slot, which country of this? Oh, is it Sweden or Finland? Sweden, I think Sweden. like as an American, you know, I've not traveled to Sweden, but seeing their unique culture coming through a book. That's, that's what I want. I don't want to see this story Americanized. I'm sorry. I live in America. I'm good. I understand. Like, right. Yeah. I totally I get that because there was um, a show I watched and I knew they had done it like in it originated. I don't remember where it originated, but the version I watched was like British and French. And then they did an American version of it. And I was like, I'm just not interested in that. Yeah. (laughs) Did you ever read um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine? Yes. That was so interesting. That's what I've recommended several times because it is so interesting and so quirky and just different. And you're just like wondering the whole time, like, what is going to happen? Like, what is, what happened to her? And you're, I mean, I just, but again, did you, oh no, I'm thinking of another one now too. That one, I, I, I just thought it was so quirky and interesting. And then there was the Bernadette well, I was going to mention, and where'd you go, Bernadette? Gabby <laughs> has opinions, but I love what they did to the movie. No! Okay. Abby? Abby, are we okay. on the same page here? <laughs> I have not I have not seen the movie. Oh, I've okay. only read the book. And the book made me so angry that I haven't worked up the nerve to see <laughs> the movie yet. Okay. The movie made me so mad that my friend, we were... Um, we had both read the book and we were like, so in love with it. And then I went and saw the movie and I was like, don't, don't go see it. Don't, <laughs> don't. I was so angry. That is so funny. It's just, I, isn't it funny how like we all just have like our own uh-huh. thing. I think that didn't they change the ending? I feel like they, I no, what they changed. They just got rid of, um, LG's, um, adulterous ways with the oh, one. That's- that's and right. that's like the only, that's like the major thing they changed. Everything else was small enough that it flowed so good. It kept the spirit of the story. I love the Bernadette. I mean, all of the Blackberry scenes and oh, the that house. was good. That was so good in that part too. Mm. Yeah. That's I love funny. that movie. That's so funny. I just, I, I love Kate Blanchett and I was just like, it, it was like over the top almost. I like. Her. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, honestly, Martin is like hella over the top. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's because I, it takes place so much in letters and stuff in the book yeah. that, that I, I just liked the quaintness of that. And so I think I just never should have seen the movie. I should have just let it stay in that space for me. Um, yeah. So I think it probably was a fine movie for anybody else, but like just the way I read it and I took it in um, on the page was just completely 
you know, unique to me. Well, you have to be careful when you go into any adaptation of any book you've read, you have to just, you know, live with that expectation that it may not be, you know, precisely what it is, but you know, they also do wonderful things like Lord of the Rings. Ah, you know, (laughs) totally can't complain. Hey guys, we're going to pause here and take a little break. Talk to you in a minute. I'm Kayla. And I'm Haley. And we host a podcast we majored in English for this. It's a weekly show on YA fiction and tomfoolery. Join us each week as we rant, rave, and recap your favorite young adult fiction books. You can find us on all your favorite streaming platforms. And now back to your show. All right. Speaking of books, can we, we should probably talk about the book that we came here to talk about. Oh, that one. (laughs) (laughs) We love books so much. Okay. You're right, Abby. I'm just saying, I mean, I love all this book talk, but we should probably get back on topic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Noelle, um, what made you want to write this particular story? So that's my friend Jamie Pacton's fault. Jamie Pacton is an author as well. I was just about to start editing The Flight Girls when she sent me this email and the subject line said, write this book. (laughs) And so inside the email was an article, like a link to an article. And it was just like this tiny little article about the Overstegan sisters, Truist and Freddie. And I mean, it was like, seriously, a very short article, just kind of saying, you know, these teenage Dutch sisters did this job and there wasn't that much detail, but just, you know, seeing their ages Mm -hmm. and what they had done, this seducing and, and killing, um, aspect of this job that they did was to me mind blowing because immediately I just kind of put myself in this young body, you know, in this young female body and like imagine soldiers and just the danger of it all. And I just found it intriguing. Um, so I just, I started doing some research about them and, and then characters started kind of popping up in my brain and, and kind of taking over. And so it was just a matter of like, I could not, not write that story. It was just too good. It was too, um, daring and brave. And you know, it's hard to imagine being in those situations. Um, and it was a matter of like, what would, would I do if faced with that kind of situation? I mean, that's kind of, I always think about that when I write these stories, like I try and put myself in their shoes and, and, and then I put myself in my own shoes and and think, could I even, could I even be that brave? Could I even be that selfless? Could I, could I do these jobs? And, um, I think a lot of times the answer is no, I couldn't. And so, you know, it's, and getting to tell all these stories that, you know, most people don't know about, cause why, why would we, unless somebody talks about them or tells a story about them? It's it's fun to like bring any sort of notice to them, you know, with the flight girls. I've, you know, that again was something that sort of landed in my lap. And I was like, I'm just gonna tell this this story. And then it turned out like so many people had never heard about the the WASP, the Women Air Force Service pilots. And and so it kind of took on a life of its own. So I mean, I hope I always hope that when I write stories inspired by real people, that um whoever reads the book will go read about the the real people that that did that job or that that's 
the story was inspired by because I, I want them to be honored. You know, I want people to know like like my story, sure, they're they're these badass girls, but go look at the real, like the real story, the real women. Cause I think, you know, I I can write a badass female all day, but like it does not compare to, you know, real human beings doing this very real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in this story, hopefully we're saying her name right. Um, Leon is 14 years old and this progresses is it 1940 and it ends at 1945 so we get to visit her for five years during world war ii as we started the book i was very much like okay like this is not a young adult novel but we have a young adult a character so how are we going to translate young adult woes into almost a real adult well that's kind of weird phrase but like a very adult setting because you know, it's that loss of innocence too. And I feel like something I really appreciate is Leanne's mom tried really hard to preserve her and her sister's innocence as long as possible before taking action. And what I also found super interesting about this story is that it was a slow burn. Like we always think about the invasion of Germany um, coming through, let's see, the Netherlands down into France. And then in France, can they get entrenched as they're trying, you know, to get into Paris and they kind of start digging in, you know, but just the fact that the Royal family fled the Netherlands, went to England and there was almost very little resistance. It, it feels a lot like in almost current day events, if we look at Russia taking the Crimean Peninsula, almost that um, very slow burn, like what's going to happen? What is this uh, versus in conflict? You know, we think about the more exciting things, which was, of course, when we're fighting in France, fighting in Italy. Um, and like in today, you know, all the fighting currently in Ukraine, it's just like... I really admire how you wrote her mom and how your how her mom did everything to protect her children and still live a normal life. And I thought that was like real. I, yeah, I was like, okay, like I'm here for this as a parent of you know four year olds, you know, who are definitely not going to be uh, taking up any kind of arms anytime soon. But it made me think, what would I do to you know preserve their innocence in a tragedy like this? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And- yeah. It, it's, it was hard to decide where to start the story because, you know, a lot of times, well, there's like this adage of like, your book actually starts in chapter two. And I actually, when I wrote the flight girls, I, I had this whole kind of section and then I read that and I was like, Oh, so I like threw it out. And I started it with when she's in, in the plane and the, the Japanese fly in and then I, when I got my agent, she was like, well, you know, I feel like it needs a little more before that happens. So we get to know the characters more. So we care. And I was like, oh, and then for this one, because, you know, I'm, I'm reading about the history and what happens in the Netherlands with the Germans and how interesting it was that, you know, the Germans saw them as their equals. And so they did not, when they invaded, they did not just do like they had done to other well, what they were doing to other countries, which is like, you know, bombing the heck out of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did it first when they, when they, obviously when they invaded, they, in, and took the Netherlands, but then it was just like, kind of just evened out. And I just can't imagine what they must've felt like. They must've been frightened 
every day just sort of waiting, like it mm-hmm. must've just been, you would think it would just kind of be simmering, uh, you know, underneath, like, mm-hmm. um, because of, obviously they're getting news reports and they're hearing what's happening in other places and how can they, they trust this. And, um, so I think, you know, it was just this strange thing of like, these people may be starting to to trust that they were okay until little by little they were not. (laughs) Um, And so I wanted to show that I wanted you to see this kind of, you know, who these girls were in the beginning and then how this invasion sort of changed them. And then how they dealt with this sort of like evening out of, of the conflict and, and kind of just sitting in this like, well, you know, what are we doing now sort of thing. And then finding reason to bear arms and, and, and resist this horrible thing that was happening as they're watching now their neighbors disappear and their friends disappear. And (laughs) well, and because I've already read the flight girls, like that's a pretty fast paced book. Yeah. Um, Especially in comparison to this one. So when I started angels, I was like, wow, this is like, this is really slow. <laughs> but, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It was more of a, okay, there's clearly going to be more buildup for this one. Yeah. And I think that worked really well because you could have very easily started with them on a mission. Like a lot of authors would be tempted to do because that's fast paced. It's action. It'll grab people right away, but then you don't have all the background of all the things that her mother and sister were doing without her before that. You don't have all the background of the people in the town and what life was like for her before the war started. And I think that was an important thing to include. And I think too, like, I thought it was important to just see these relationships she had Mm -hmm. um, because it changes her when they're ripped away from her. And I I just, you know, and, and in some cases they weren't necessarily ripped away. They just sort of disappear and there's no answers and there's just a lot of questions and and so yeah I mean it was I I toyed with that a lot and it was really hard not to just like jump (laughs) ahead in time but I also think it was important for like Dutch history to show like they were kind of torn you know going through this you know these were bad people who were like, oh, but you're one of us. And it's like, what do you do? Like, you want to be like, okay, thanks. You know, we're safe. But then you know that now your neighbors are disappearing. And so I think it had to have been a very confusing time for, and just really frightening. You know, who do you, who do you trust? Um, Do we trust that they're just going to let us eat and we are one of them? Um, Or are they going to do what they eventually ended up doing. So mm-hmm. I just, I thought it was just really interesting and I thought it needed to be included for, you know, to honor Dutch history and what they went through as a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it is definitely a slower burn in the beginning, but I think it picks up pretty quick. <laughs> quick. I'm pretty sure I read this in June or July. I can't remember it when I actually read it and it took me it took me about a month like and I, i'm a little bit of a slow reader so like it's not unheard of for me to take like a month to read something but i had a big turnaround where i think i devoured half the book in like three or four days where i was just like oh my god i gotta know what's happening i can't put it down i'm like everyone needs to leave me alone 
because I need to read this, please. And it's really hard to read an actual book when you have like two four-year-olds hanging out on you all the time. I can't even imagine. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to get them also like, I want this, I want my kids to see me reading physical books too. And I read a lot to them because I want them to hopefully, like my son keeps telling me, he's like, he's like, I can read the words too. I'm like, mm, can you buddy? He's like, well, this, and then he'll spell out the word. I'm like, okay, well, what's it actually say? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, we're gonna work on it. Um, and then like they keep asking whenever I have my books, like, well, do you have no pictures? I'm like, yeah, because it's all in my head. And it's just one of those I'm like, you hopefully will love because my husband and I both love reading. He's super into Stephen King. Um, and he loves Simon R. Green as well. And I'm like, okay, guys, you gotta love reading because it's a reading household. <laughs> but right. So I'm quite curious because one of my favorite things about reading books is the setting. I'm really, I get very invested in world building and settings. And obviously because you are writing historical fiction, um, it's not like I have to like strive really hard to imagine cities in the clouds or anything. I can literally just Google the places that you're talking about. But the way you were describing their, their town, which I cannot remember the town's name at this point. Um, have you been to the Netherlands? Have you traveled to and like, especially like the park where the girls had their first meeting and everything. I just like was so easy to, I've also been to Europe. So I might've been imposing a lot of my own memories of being in Germany and like their city parks. But I was just like, I felt, I don't know. I just felt immersed in the story and where we were in the story. Um, yes. So I, before I started writing it, I took a trip to Harlem because I wanted to, well, <laughs> I learned something when I wrote The Flight Girls. So I had been to Paris and I had been to Hawaii, but I had never been to Texas at that point when I wrote the, when I started writing The Flight Girls. And so when I wrote <laughs> Texas and the areas she was like, so that was like Dallas and uh, Sweetwater, <laughs> I wrote like seasons and like tumbleweeds and snow. And then my brother ended up moving like to exactly these, well, he moved to San Antonio, which actually um, Audrey ends up at, at this base that my brother's wife at the time where she just had gotten um, based at. And so it was just kind of this weird thing. And so I got to go there and I'm like, okay, Texas is much greener than I knew. <laughs> and oh, they don't really less have- stuff, Less tumbleweeds crap. Okay. No tumbleweeds. There's no, and, and I, my, um, my agent is from Austin. She didn't correct, like say anything. And I was like, Hey, you need to like, tell me when I'm just being stupid. They don't really have like seasons, like snowy or anything like that. So I'm like, okay, I said to go back. So I learned this lesson. Like if I can get somewhere, I should definitely get somewhere. So with this story, I, I was very much like, I don't really know anything about the Netherlands. I mean, I've heard stories about Amsterdam. I've seen pictures. I've seen movies like set there, but I, I don't really know the culture and I don't know what it sounds like. And I don't know what it smells like. I need to be in this space. And so I went there it's funny because like sec the day before I was leaving on the news, they were like, so there's this virus. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, just in case. And, and the first case in the U.S. was 30 minutes from where I live. So I'm like, maybe I'll just stay here. My kids could like fly to me. Um, anyways, <laughs> so yeah, I went to Harlem and I went in January and it was really freaking cold. 
And every time I left the hotel, I had three layers on, but it was crucial that I went there because Harlem is this tiny, beautiful city right by the North Sea. And it's so bitterly cold in the winter and it's so quiet. And I never would have known how quiet it was. And they're, they're like, their seagulls screech in a different way than ours do. It's very like piercing. And then, you know, there's these cobblestone streets and these tiny little alleyways. And all I could do is like, and and like I said, it's so quiet, right? So imagine Nazis marching through there or imagine tanks rolling through there. And I was just like, overwhelmed by how terrifying that must have been for these people in this quaint little town and um, just the noise and how it would have just disrupted absolutely everything. I ended up being there on like a market day. So I got to see the square with the market going. I got to see just like, you know, these alleyways. And then there's the um, the 10 boom, boom house, which they, they hid people in their wall. And so I got to do a tour of that. And so, yeah, it was, and I, and I did, I went through the park um, and I got, you know, I, I kind of scoped out and the park is huge. So I just kind of went to the North end of it, but just kind of seeing it and knowing that they had been there and walked through this, this park was just kind of, you know, the original, the, the, the inspiration yeah. um, was amazing. So yeah, it was very much, um, I never could have written that the country or or that city without seeing it I, I never could have written it authentically so it was it was really amazing that I got to be there and um I hope I get to go back I'd love to like bring my book there and take a picture of it there there were things there I, I didn't get Inspired. to see that I heard here we are yes <laughs> oh yeah. my god well um, I would like to there's some things I'd like to see that I didn't get to see while I was there so I definitely I would like to go back are making but oh and also being there in January and feeling how cold it was and then knowing about the hunger winter and and imagining it even colder you know so that the canals froze over I mean that was that was amazing Mm -hmm. so I'm glad I went when I went so that I could have a sense of how bitterly cold um and just yeah right and how many layers of clothes I need lots lots of layers (laughs) Not good. Yeah. Yeah. As someone like I've been to Spain, I've been to Germany, I've been to Austria. I did a, um, for my, when I turned 16, my mom asked me, what do you, what do you want? Like, what do you want for your graduation? Like, do you want something like really big? Cause she just started traveling a lot to Europe. And I'm like, mom, I want to go to Europe with you. I want to do a European, big European trip with you. She's like, okay. So like, she let me pick out stuff and I'm like, Ooh, I want to do an Eastern block tour. And she's like, Eastern Bloc tour, huh? And I'm like, yes, I want to go to Germany, Czech Republic, um, Slovakia, Hungary, and Austria. And a lot of it was learning, like, basically how the Soviets um, interacted with the area. But just like, you know, Europe has, you know, I was in Eastern Europe, um, and I've been to Spain too, which is a totally different flavor of Europe. Um, Gosh, like just the way you're describing the house is how the, you know, because Europe is very close. Like everything is built close together. The streets are narrow because the streets were built like 1400s, 1500s. And just um, imagining walking down those streets and being arm in arm with your sister on a mission to go 
take care of some Nazis. I was just like, ooh, just chills down the spine. I loved it. It was one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah, I liked, I would take pictures, you know, of things, um, of the cobblestones or of the, like, tinier little pathways that just look like, I could just imagine someone being dragged back there, you know, and, you know, all the bikes and, it, it really, it was just so different. And, and, and then the, the way the houses kind of tilt mm-hmm. and then all the different roof lines, it was just really so beautiful and, um, and just really special to get to be there and, and, and see that and get to, to write it. And so, yeah. I love it. Abby. So can you tell us about some of the characters we've been talking about tonight? Sure. We have our main character who is Leanne Vink. I hope I'm saying that right. I, I think it's Vinka. Vinka? I've had to like look all these up for the audio version. And it's like, it can be confusing. So. <laughs> well, it's German. I can pronounce all the German. Like I can tell you this Diedrich and Klassen for the German guy, but I don't know how to speak Dutch. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I can only speak German. Anyway. So we have Leanne Vinka. Uh, she's the main character. She starts at 14 and we end with her at 19 because this covers about five years. And that's not including the epilogue, of course. Oh, yeah. We have her older sister, Elif Vinke. We have their younger sister, Maddie, who is deceased at the beginning of the book. So that's not a spoiler. And then, of course, we have their mother. Uh, she is a seamstress and like the best one in town. We meet a family called the Abermans, who have two little ones named Laura and Isaac. Uh, they are a Jewish family that Leanne babysits for. And Leanne is also a student of Mr. Aberman. We have Liv Fox, who Leanne and her sister refer to as Aunt Liv. She is a wealthy family friend. Henrik <laughs> is Liv's brother, and he was badly scarred during World War I and lives in the barn behind her property. And then we have Leanne's two best friends, Tess and Fenna. Tess is the boy crazy one. Mm-hmm. And Fenna is the one with strict Jewish parents. And her father is a doctor. We have Diedrich Klassen, who is a handsome boy that she meets in school. And I won't say more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, we meet Charlie and Annie, who are part of the resistance. And Uncle Franz, who helps to train some of the resistance fighters. Mm -hmm. So, guys, we did our very best not to spoil the characters, but that is your main cast that you will experience. Um, Very good cast of characters i really i forgot i forgot but i really liked the beginning of the book where um leah's watching laura and isaac in the park and i was like i'm like i want a babysitter like her like making everything fun and just the whole um helping the bird in the bush and everything and i was just like "Mm, that was a sweet moment really like laura and isaac's parents too are pretty awesome oh i forgot i forgot about uncle franz but He's quite delightful as well. Him and Liv were, I, I really, I do need a story now about them and their um, escapades. <laughs> I think I do too, actually. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really, that could be book five or six or seven. It's fine. You got time. We have plenty of time to get this done. Plenty of time. I definitely felt for Mrs. Aberman because I'm pregnant right now. And so I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where's the babysitter for my older two? <laughs> 
you can let Will and Mara watch if you want. <laughs> they can they can watch yours. You're <laughs> hilarious. Well, my kids are younger than her oldest and older than her youngest right now. So yeah, mine are five and three and her two are four. Oh, so wow. they're like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. so she'll happily wash the baby for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's obsessed with your baby. <laughs> they can't even tell you. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh man. <laughs> Um, so we always, Abby and I always talk about our favorite characters. So we were curious, um, are there any characters in the book that are most special to you? Um, and why they're special? I mean, I always love my main character because I spend so much time with them, but I think other than Leanne, um, I loved Aunt Liv. Um, I just, yeah, how strong she was, the work she was doing, how kind of just fearless she was and intelligent and um, how much she just cared for these women and just really, you know, was doing her part for her country and, and was just pretty badass about it all. Yeah. And just, you know, risking her life basically every, every day. So yeah, I love Aunt Liv. It was quite excellent, man. I, I'm just going to drop my favorite characters. I really enjoyed Elif. Um, just because it was that very quiet strength. Like she just, I love, I mean, I don't love how uh, the story about their younger sister affected her, but understanding how she processed her emotions. And I don't know, it was just versus Leanne had so much rage and anger. Elif just had this quiet like strength in there too. And just I just really identified with her and I was just like, yeah, girl, you got this. <laughs> um and I just really loved their mom. Um she just she had a really hard task to raise these girls and have to figure out who, I mean, she's by herself, has no husband. Well, I mean her husband passed away and she's like, well crap. <laughs> what am I gonna <laughs> kids? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aunt Liv was definitely my favorite. <laughs> That's a character that I would pay to know more about. And so I have to know, would you ever write a book about her? I mean, there's always one, right? Like there's one in like, the White <laughs> Girls too. Like there's always one where I'm just like, who are you? I want to know more about you. Mm -hmm. She's definitely, I, I would love to know her backstory and like just... I mean, it, it like hinted at it a little bit, but yeah, I think definitely if anybody deserves a book, she does. Cause I feel like she did, she did things and I want to know what they are. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Well, especially because she said I was involved in the other war and I'm like, all right, good. Let's hear about you. What did you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty great. All right. Um, and we know because we might just follow you on social media and we might just pay attention to what you're up to because, you know, we do. You're writing a third book and I know a little bit about it. I'm sure Abby knows a little about it. But can you tell our listeners kind of what's going to go on? Because I'm pretty excited about the next book coming out. Good. I mean, I am, too. I uh, it's funny. This is the first one that's not necessarily inspired by. A, you know, any, any particular person or which actually that's not quite true, but um, uh, it's more inspired by a time in history, which I just, I've always loved the 1920s. I've always just felt like it was 
probably just such an amazing time to be alive. Um, the women were just like modern and like sassy and just living their life. And, um, in a way that they hadn't before. And what I find particularly interesting about it is then how buttoned down they became afterwards again, <laughs> like it's wild. Um, so what is it about? Um, well, first of all, I just want to say the main character, her name is Zora and Zora Lily. And the reason her name is Zora Lily is because a few years ago, I was at a memorial service for a family member and my mom and aunt started talking about our family history. So my great, great grandparents moved down from Canada, um, like in the early 1900s, and they were part of the logging boom in Seattle. And so my great, great grandfather was a logger and they lived, I seen one picture, all of their 11 children. <laughs> <laughs> standing in front of like this tiny little shack most of them don't have shoes but this was the life like they were dirt poor literally like in the dirt poor and my great-great-grandmother's name was Zora Lily and I was like what like how have I never known I had a ancestor named Zora Lily like this is an amazing name she needs a book mm-hmm. so I just decided I needed to write a book set in the 1920s. Um, She is a seamstress and there's a bit of a mystery. So it kind of starts out, it starts out modern day. And there's just this mystery around who this Zora Lily, this Zora Lily name pops up um, in a museum in Washington, D.C. And then we get to go back and find out who exactly Zora Lily was and what she did. And it's jazz and speakeasies and um, it, it's best friends and and a great love story. And I feel like, you know, every, every author sort of has their brand. And I, I feel like my brand is just like women fighting for themselves. Um, so mm-hmm. she's definitely like, she's a little bit like Audrey um, from the Flight Girls. I do love Audrey. And I mean, if she gets a James... <laughs> I know I will like that as well. So I do highly enjoy uh, one of the characters that we get to meet in Angel's yeah. Resistance too. But yeah. Yeah. So she's a little bit Audrey. Um, it's definitely like, I want to say more of um, a flight girl's flavor where it's a little, it's lighter. It's not like the heaviness of angels, but again, it's like 1920s and jazz and speakeasies. And mm-hmm. but there's definitely some like darker moments and, and um, I think some things that kind of, um, are mirrored by things that are happening today, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's post pandemic, it's po- there's a war that's just happened. Um, women are fighting for their rights, <laughs> you know, around these times. So there's a lot to be like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. Um, so yeah, so that's coming out next fall. Um, and I am super excited about it. I feel like I need a 1920s theme launch party, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm already starting book four. So I'm really excited. (laughs) Can't wait for book four. Yeah. Um, I'm really, so 1950s is one, just to put it out there for you. 1950s, like one of those time periods. I'm like way interested. I loved reading uh, Fountains of Silence, um, which was set in Spain um, in the 1950s. Great book. And then like, there was another one, Mexican Gothic, not recommended at all. Okay. I've heard of it, but I've never read it. Uh, yeah yeah just pass it it was weird like I really was going like for that because like 1950s like once again post-war we're starting to get free again and had that kind of glamorous women's life where um we're coming back into it and 
I thought it'd be really interesting to see 1950s um, Mexico. Eh, no. Well, I will tell you, I have this dream of writing like a historical fiction per decade, but I think just mostly so in my launch party, I can wear different clothes from the, I'm just trying to get to the seventies. <laughs> I want to wear some bell bottoms, but <laughs> I also am trying, like they're all sort of linked a little bit. There's like little Easter eggs within them. So angels, there's a name that has to do with Audrey and there's stuff in the jazz book. So I like when you can kind of, that's the fun part of being an author when you can like do little things and see if anybody catches on or, um, I mean, you can get as ambitious as Stephen King and have at least 64 plus novels and it's all connected in one giant universe. Yeah, it's so crazy. I just want to like, you know, just kind of names or, or mentions or whatever. Just, um, I think it's fun. So yeah. I need to go back and read Flight Girls now and, and like, think about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be hard. The angels, the angels mention is, well, it's a name. So there's mm-hmm. a name that means something that's mentioned in the Flight Girls. Oh, great. Yeah. I have to read this all again. Excellent. This is fun. I love it. Um, so I also just want to hit, so as readers, what we really loved about angels so typically we like to go through our favorite scenes and least favorite scenes and our favorite characters, least favorite characters, but we just really want to leave these things to you guys and not kind of put any of our ideas in your head until you read the book. Abby, what are like just some of your favorite things that you read in the book? I really enjoyed all the different types of missions that they ended up going on. Because it wasn't just, oh, we're going to seduce men and kill them. There were also like bombings and passing of notes and making fake IDs for Jewish people who were trying to get out and even like smuggling people past the Nazis. And I thought that range was really cool because, I mean, if you're going to talk about one kind of thing that they do, yeah, the seduction and assassinations, that's just got a flair to it. (laughs) for um, writing. So like, I would not have faulted you for just focusing on that at all. But the fact that you brought in all the different types of missions that they got to go on, I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I sat there for a long time. Like I had, okay, I have this happens and then we'll ramp it up a little here. And then we really ramp it up. Okay. I need more. Like I just need, I knew that the, you know, the real women had done other jobs. And I, I didn't want to just, I mean, yes, that's basically what we sold this book on was they, you know, seduced and assassinated, but mm-hmm. it did so much more. And so I really wanted to make sure that, I mean, it just gives them so many more opportunities to possibly get caught or, you know, so it was just fun. It was fun to research it. It was fun to like figure it out in my brain, like, okay, how would I do this? And like, what could go wrong? And how would I feel? Yeah. There's a lot of like, let me sit in this moment. There was actually so many pictures I took of myself just like, because I found myself lying on my floor a lot, listening to music and just imagining and getting myself all worked up and like frightened. Um, Just Mm -hmm. imagining like standing in the dark behind a tree and waiting and having to really just wait in the cold or whatever and having, and knowing I have to do this thing. And so I was, I ended up just taking pictures of myself because I was, I ended up, like laughing at how often I found myself on the floor with headphones. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And I started documenting like how often I had to put myself through this kind of mental anguish just to like 
get it on the page. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that my um, torture, my self-torture, <laughs> worked out so well. It was worth it, I promise. <laughs> Can't say like I truly enjoyed it, but what something I, I don't know how to describe it correctly, is the way... Like, cause, um, Elif is two years older, I think maybe, or 15, 16, um, and then 14, how they're dealing each in their own way with the loss of their sister and how you wrote that in there, because that's such an important thing to learn how to process grief. And, you know, they did the best they could. I know a lot with this, the dark society is, not a lot like maybe the romantic societies like French and Italian. They're going to be more stoic, like a German kind of bottled their emotions a little bit, you know, which is what their mom did. She tried to portray a strong, we're going to move forward. We're going to make this together. I still love you. I'm here for you, which I mean a lot of that for like Elif translated to her, not doing her art um, and being more quiet and withdrawn and versus Leon was more, a little bit more hot-headed, a little bit more gung-ho, all this pent-up energy. And that just portrayal of real emotions and the spectrum of emotions, I thought was a very valuable part of the book. And yes, I did love all the mission things too. I thought that was great. The training part was my favorite versus them actually going on the missions, but learning the, there was a scene where they're learning how to fight and it was, um, learning how to stab someone specifically was the scene, which was a very intense scene. So you, you got very detailed and vivid with it. I was just like, Ooh, Ooh. Yeah, I know. I, I sure do not need to go stab someone or be stabbed by somebody. But I was like, did she go do like self-defense training to learn like what it would take to get the knife into somebody and what kind of force it would take. But there, I, there yeah. was a day where I was trying to figure out, this is like one of those EC authors, like, I hope the FBI isn't looking at my, what up, my searches, but I was trying to figure out how hard it would be to like get a blade in between rib, the rib cage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I ended up have, like going a different way with that later, but um, yeah, there was a, like, there was a lot of strange research um, and then just a lot of, again, lying on the floor and just trying to imagine what these scenes would be like, what it would feel like mentally and in their bodies as they're they're doing this you know like I can't imagine what it would be like to even just practice stabbing someone and feeling a blade in your hand you know a a hilt of a blade in your hand and like stabbing it into something and like hearing whatever rip and then that um and then and then that as opposed to an actual human and then you know what those differences are and just how traumatic it all had to have been in real life. Yeah, I, I, on a personal note, it, it actually kind of made me spiral a little in, in my own trauma that I've experienced in my past. And there was this point where my um, editor sent me edits and she's like, so what are they feeling here? Here, you know, like I want you to really dig into like what they're feeling. And I'm like, they feel bad. <laughs> like I just like <laughs> want to go there because yeah you know, it it did, it brought up some past trauma for me to deal like PTSD sort of like kind of trauma. And I was like, I don't necessarily want to go there. So, you know, headphones on, go to the floor. (laughs) Okay. We're going to back down. I I had to compartmentalize and like give myself time limits on how much time I spent on certain scenes because it, 
you know, it does, it kind of infiltrates you and you live in that space because you're trying to be so authentic on the page, like authentic to what this would actually be like so that the reader is experiencing it. Cause I love experiencing good, bad, happy, sad. When I read, like, please tear me down, please make me laugh, please make me feel all the things. And so to be on the opposite side of that and trying to make other people feel those things is kind of awful at times, but like so worth it when it comes through, I think so. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was very vivid and just, and I mean, that's, like maybe I'm a psychopath, but, but I thought it was amazing. Like I thought it was really well written. I was like, okay. I'm like, yep. I mean, but I'm also the person that I really enjoy reading fantasy with a lot of war based on like the poppy wars, um, which was a very intense book or reading um, the iron widow. Sorry. I can't name the authors. I'm really bad about naming authors. Sometimes I can name the titles of the books, but I really, I really enjoy books um, that talk about these things. So I was like, I'm here for this. Yeah. All right. Um, We're going to wrap it up with our final thoughts. Abby, what are your final thoughts of this book? Okay. Um, I did give this four stars. Um, for me, that means it's like a really solid book. It's a really good book. It's a book that I will tell people to read. I think part of what held it back from getting any higher for me was the fact that mentally and like subconsciously, I was comparing it to Flight Girls. (laughs) And I really like fast paced books. And so Flight Girls was more my speed for especially that first half. And that's nothing against angels. That is just me personally. Like that's my issue. (laughs) Yeah. You are an issue. Um, like, like, I always tell people, you know, they're, you know, people are like, I'm so excited. I'm like, okay, it's not the flight girls. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. They're like, I love the flight girls. I'm like, okay, good. But it's not the flight girls. Like, right. you know, and I mean, the flight girls have got to be so light in a way. I mean, there were definitely heavy parts to it, but in part because it was in America. So they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, she, you know, Audrey's got to see what war looked like, but most everybody else did not. And so it was very, a very specific kind of story that's not like other World War II stories for the most part. You know, a lot of historical fiction does take place like angels um, in Europe so that you're seeing more of what's actually happening and stuff. So, and, you know, like, like we discussed that slow burn beginning. I mean, I struggled with, with what to do with it, but I, I stand by honoring like what the Dutch, like showing what, what they had to deal with, like what they struggled with. So, um, but I don't, I, I totally get it. (laughs) Well, and I found it interesting once I was done reading and like mentally comparing the main characters from these two books, like they're such different people to begin with. They were raised in completely different countries with completely different outlooks on life. And Leanne is quite a bit younger than Audrey is at the start of the book. So Mm -hmm. like, there's just these huge differences between the two anyways, that you can't tell the same kind of story with both of them. It's just not possible. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I don't want to read the same story again and again. Like that's how I got burned down World War II novels because I kept reading the same stories, except I do have to admit, um, we were the lucky ones is one of the most amazing World War II novels I ever read because it is a novel of hope and is a novel once again, inspired by true stories and based on actual things happening. And I was just like, thank goodness. Someone wrote a, because the Holocaust is awful and terrible and the most depressing part of our history. 
but to read a helpful novel about it, I was like, okay, thank you. I needed that refresher. But for me, like this was, I mean, on Goodreads is a five star. This is a 4.5. So like, um, it was mostly that slow burn beginning where I was kind of like, I don't know about this because it's like, I'm reading about a 14 year old girl, but it's an adult novel. And I'm trying to like, not get into my head of this should be a fast paced young adult now just because I'm reading about a young girl. And I'm a, I'm pretty happy. I mean, I read all over the spectrum, but I read a lot of young adults. So I'm like the one, the nice things about young adult is very fast paced novels. And so I was like, okay, we're going to stick with it. We got it. And like you said, it's a very slow burn because the Dutch truly experienced a slow burn of the Nazis coming. But what I love the most for me, the most important things is that a strong female character with rich storytelling. Um, that's that world building that you put. I was immersed inside the Dutch culture, the architecture. I could imagine where I was. I don't want to be cold though. That sounds too cold for me, honestly. <laughs> and it was, and then the adventure, like going through all uh, the espionage and you're just like whoa wow holy smokes i loved it and like it was that's what i love about both your novels they're both different world war ii novels they're not typically what i have read and i'm like thank goodness i'm really excited that you're gonna like move to 1920s because i can't wait to read 1920s and then we're gonna go to a different genre or, you know era and i'm like here we go i'm ready for this i love these stories and i love just everything about them yay wow. I'm glad. So my book four will go back to World War II, just so you know. Um, And I'm super excited. I feel like it's going to be a mix a little bit of like Flight Girls and Angels in a way and like way more kind of action, a little more action. Is it going to be the European theater again? It is, but she's a flight nurse. So she will be in the air, over water, all over the place. Maybe, Abby, can you, can you get your husband to read this? Her husband's a flight nurse. My oh, really? Nurse. Yeah. I have this. So I've got this book. Somebody wrote like 20 years ago. They had gotten all these like 100 like accounts of like from flight nurses dur- during World War II. And it's just like these little bits of like their life and the different parts and the things that they did. And it's like, you know, some of them in the like in Guam or the Pacific, like they'd go to their like tents that they lived in. There'd be like a snake or something in their, in oh, their um, oh, hammocks and stuff. Oh, and we're oh. like, it would be a, um, like a squall or like whatever you call it, like a big storm and their tent would go like <laughs> flying away and in the river. And just, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be so much fun. Like I'm going to have so much fun. <laughs> I will take a squall over a snake in my tent. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Blow my tent away. I just can't have a snake in the bed. (laughs) No, no. Uh, Yeah. So I'm really excited to get into that one. Um, I actually thought that was going to be book three, but um, they, they ended up liking the jazz idea. So that was exciting for me to get to do something else, be in a different era, write a different, I mean, like kind of the same kind of character, but um, in different situations. And so Man, is is Zora going to be in New Orleans? Like the is that what it was or? Nope, Seattle. Okay, why did I think New Orleans? Oh, because that's something else. Out of the Easy, I think, is one of the books I read that was based out of New Orleans. Might have been nineteen twenties. Things start running together after a while, and you're just like, <laughs> mm, I can't remember everything. Yeah. Mm, oh, I love Seattle too. Oh, such a fun city. It is a fun city. Yeah, and there's not like really any books about 
Seattle in the 20s. And it had a really great jazz scene and like some pretty famous, awesome musicians. And um, and it just, it has like, actually a few years ago, they uncovered, they were doing like some construction on a building and they uncovered a stairwell that goes down into a old speakeasy and there's like murals on the wall. So that's in the book. And um, so, and there's like, yeah, just a lot of nods to a lot of like musicians and, and spaces that existed. And so it's, it's, it was really fun for me to get to dig into Seattle history. And, and uh, so, yeah, I hope it's Love as it. fun as it was to write. So I hope it's as fun it's to really fun. Ah, uh, yeah. But, and it's funny too because like there's so many World War II stories and and I was like, oh man, you know, <laughs> it's like once you start writing in a, a genre and you're doing well, they want more from you. And I'm like, seriously, like more World War II, you know, I'm worried about it and stuff. And, and so, um, but I'm now so excited about this fourth book, um, which I just started the other day. And I'm just like, I can't, I cannot wait to tell this story. It's just, I, I already love these characters so much. So, okay, so like, two, like we got two years to wait, three years to wait. Jazz, the jazz girl will be next year. And then the, right. the next one is the year after. So I'm like, let's after okay. I had a three year wait between the flight girls and angels, which like almost killed me. I'm like three years, but you know what? I missed out on like having a book come out in lockdown. So I, I kind of, I lucked out there. Um, mm-hmm. But now I get to have a book a year for three years. So that's pretty exciting for me. Like, was it three years? It feels like it's been. Also, you yeah. will be, be interested to know my agent has another book from me. It's it's not been submitted yet, but it's a young adult fantasy. So oh oh oh. <laughs> I, I have had that book in me. It was in me uh, when my daughter my daughter's nine now. I used to take her on walks, and I would tell my son about this book, and he would get so emotional about it. And um, and so getting to tell him that I finally I finally wrote it, he was just like, oh, this is that book with the, you know, and I was like, this is that book. And so I'm really excited Ooh. about it. I mean, I definitely like Marissa Meyer has a new young adult coming book out coming out real soon. I can't wait to read. I have like just finished Naomi Novik's new young adult novel. I am so ready. I love me some <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> I, you know, I've gotten very into it thanks to my friends and I love a good young adult book. So it, it's I call it um have you ever seen the movie um, Meet Joe Black? Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. Okay. So I say it's a cross between Meet Joe Black and the Fault in Our Stars. So it's a it's sad, um, but like really beautiful and um yeah, kind of magical and I love it so much. I can't I can't wait. I hope that you know it it gets out into the world because I, I have held that story in me for so long. Um, so yeah, hopefully Hope so I'm ready. Well, thank you so much. Um, for your time, we really appreciate you. Like, especially I'm so sorry you got sick, which really blows, but I'm glad that you're feeling better. <laughs> I went to the ER yesterday too. I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I had a, like a little scare and with the way things were going for me health wise lately, I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to go to the ER. And I was there for eight hours. They made me wait for eight hours for basically nothing. I was fine. But I was like, you know what? I'd rather like waste time and money than, and you know, for peace of mind, peace of mind is priceless. So, and literally like I got over COVID and immediately got the stomach flu. And I was like, (laughs) I definitely, I definitely kept checking our email today. I'm like, please let her be okay. Please let her be okay. (laughs) 
So yeah, I'm so glad that I got to come on and talk to you guys finally. Thank you for being so like understanding with your time. Thank you for accommodating. Hi, I'm in grad school. My best friend is going to pop out a baby when your book comes out. Can you help us (laughs) read your book early? Thank you. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) I mean, hi, we need to accommodate bringing life into the world and going to school. You know, (laughs) well, you guys, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being gracious and like coming on with us. We are so excited. I was so happy to meet you virtually, but I'm also happy just to meet people virtually at this point in my life. <laughs> right. Thank you everyone for listening tonight. Thank you so much, Noel, for everything that you have brought. Um, we will also, Abby has some updates she'll give us. We are going to take a break in December, but we will bring in January what we plan on reading and what we actually did read this year in 2022. It will be a very interesting list because someone named Abby did not read a lot of her TBR list, but I did. So it should be really great to recap that. And we will talk to you guys later. Thank you. Talk Thank to you in a while, but guys. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks, like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.